Good afternoon, Mosaic family. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Mosaic. And we are having a party today. We are celebrating a birthday. There are actually two birthdays. Um, one is for Grace Johnson. I'm going to put you on the spot. Wave so everybody knows who you are. All right. It is Grace's birthday. And it is also our church's birthday. This is our first anniversary uh, as a church. We are a brand new, very young church. So let's sing happy birthday together uh, for Grace and for Mosaic, all right? I don't know how this is going to go, but let's just do it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Grace and Mosaic. Happy birthday. thought about this. We're podcasting, and so now the people on the internet get to hear me singing, which is not fun for them. Sorry, guys. Um, all right, if you've got your Bibles, uh, open them up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So I just want to um, thank those of you who were praying for me this week. I had a whirlwind trip. I was in Dallas. I was in Oklahoma City. And then was out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma um, at a retreat, um, and it was a it was a good experience. And I got back at about two o'clock this afternoon, so we are we are uh, ready to rumble here today. Uh, Matthew chapter five. The title of my sermon might be familiar to a few of you. City on a hill. This is the same title for my sermon at our grand opening a year ago. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach the same sermon. It's a different sermon, same title, all right? But if you were with us a year ago, I thought you might remember that. Um, we're going to read out loud together the, these three verses that we're going to talk about today. I should have them on the screen. Matthew 5, 14, 15, and 16. So let's read it together. The words are up here. You can follow along. So let's read God's word together. You are the light of the world, a city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would cause us to collectively be the city on a hill. This city that with bright city lights shines for everyone to see. Pointing people not to our own accomplishments, but to the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you've done in the past year. And we're excited about what you're going to do in the coming year. Pray that you would take your word, that you'd apply it to our hearts even now that together we'll be that city on a hill. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, in this passage, Jesus is talking to, a, uh, talking to his followers, primarily the disciples, although there's some, some other people that are sitting in on this conversation. It's a famous conversation, a famous sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. That just means Jesus was up on this mountain, and he was teaching his closest followers, his disciples, 
maybe some others, some, some important truths about God's coming kingdom. And the way, that, the way that people should live in this coming kingdom. And as part of that extended sermon, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, we kind of all instinctively know that that's true, right? A city on a hill, you're going to see it, especially at night, right? Have you ever, how many of you have uh, flown on an airplane at night? And you come in and you can see the city illumined in the darkness, right? So I've been on four planes this week um, and I saw, I saw Dallas. I saw Oklahoma City. Nothing quite like New York City, though. I enjoyed coming home. That was the best part. Uh, but when you, when you fly in, especially if you're flying in at night, you see that city. You see it lit up with all of its lights. You see the brightness. You see the beauty. You can't miss it. If you're flying into JFK or LaGuardia, you can't miss the city. Right? It's there. You look out the window, and it's there. You can't help but notice. You can't help but observe that there is a shining, sparkling city down below. You may have favorite parts that you think are prettier than others, and that's your prerogative, but... The point is, you see this shining city. And that's what Jesus does here, is he uses this imagery of this shining city, but in in the way that Jesus is telling it, it's not just a beautiful shining city, but it's a shining city that's up on a hill. And and you're you're this, uh, you know, they lived in the first century, so they were pedestrians, like we are, most of us, okay? So they walked, but they had no subway to hop onto, They would climb on a camel or a donkey or something like that. But just imagine that you're riding your donkey or you're walking along in your sandals on these dusty roads. It's really hot. You're sweaty. You're wondering when you're going to be able to get a drink of water. But your your pouch that had the water in it has run dry. You're looking for something. And it's it's getting dark. You're a little bit worried because you know that the, the, the road through this particular stretch of countryside, there's there's bandits out there. And you're worried about what's going to happen. You're worried if you're going to make it to where you're going in time. And then you round the bend. And as the sun is setting, you see Jerusalem sitting there on a hill. And you can see the the lights. Now, not not city lights like New York City's got, but you can see some some lamps hanging in the windows. You can see some, some torches on the outsides of the building to illumine the street. You can see this this faint glow rising from this city. And for you, as a dusty, thirsty, nervous traveler, this city is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Because it is exactly what you need in this moment. You needed to see that city on a hill because that city for you is safety, shelter. You've got a place to stay tonight. It's uh, provision. You can get some water. You can get some food. It's rest. The city is everything that you need in this moment. That's the imagery that Jesus borrows to talk about this city on a hill. It's a beautiful city. It's a spectacular city. Every traveler would understand this metaphor in the first century. This is what you are looking for, that city on a hill. Jesus looks at his followers. Jesus looks at those who would eventually call themselves Christians. 
And he said, you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he proceeds to give us some very common sense statements that kind of seem like, well, duh. But he's making a profound point here. Look at verse 15. He says, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. The first, the first listeners who are listening to Jesus, his disciples, as they're sitting there on the mountain, they probably are, are struck by how ludicrous that sounds. Well, I mean, who in their right mind would say, all right, so I have, I have poured the oil. I have, I don't know if they had matches back then, but however they lit the, lit the oil back then, we've got the fire going. Now, let's quick, let's cover it up before anybody sees. Let's put it in the closet. Let's put it under the table. Let's put it behind the fruit basket. Maybe nobody will see the light that we have just started. Maybe nobody will see this lamp because we don't want it to produce any light in the house. We don't want it to produce any light in our community. That would defeat the purpose. We've got to hide the light. Jesus said nobody does that. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand so that it gives light to all in the house. And when house upon house does this, it not only gives light to the house, but it gives light to the city. Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your father in heaven. Jesus said, you're the light. As followers of Jesus, you are the light. You are the city on a hill. Don't take that light and put it under a basket. Instead, put it on the lampstand so that the whole community can see. So that it gives light to the house. Let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. The point of this, Jesus said, is not so that people walk in and they're like, that is the nicest looking lamp I have ever seen in my entire life. That candle is beautiful. I mean, look how the wax is like dripping symmetrically on both sides. It's just, it blows my mind. No, nobody does that. Nobody comes in and is blown away by the candle or by the lamp. At least probably not most people. But your average person is going to walk in and say, what a beautiful room. Because in the light of that candle, they can see the room. Or they're walking along the street and there's that torch hanging on the, on the little bridge that they're passing under. Like, this is a beautiful street. This is a beautiful city. I can see it because of the torch. You see, the point is not the instrument of light, but what you can see because of the light. Jesus said, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. I think that what Jesus was saying back then is what he would say specifically to us today. He would look at us, this group of people sitting right here, and he'd say, you are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. So don't put your light, Mosaic Church, don't put your light under a basket, but put it up on a lampstand where it lights up the living room. And the kitchen and the, and the dining room, where it lights up Atlantic Avenue, where it lights up the subway car that you're sitting on, where it lights up your office at work or your class at school, 
Let your light not be hidden, but let it burst forth. Not so people say, man, did you see her? Did you see him? They're, they're incredible. They got it together. No, that's not the point. The point of the candle, the point of the lamp, was to illumine the beauty of the house. And for Christians sticking with this imagery and with this metaphor, the point of everything good that we have done over the last year as a church, the point of everything that we will do over the next year as a church is to illumine the glory of our God so that people would see our good deeds and give honor to our Father who is in heaven. Now, how do we do that specifically? Well, in our next slide, I'm talking about the Mosaic DNA. If you've been around any length of time here at Mosaic, you've probably heard us talk about these three things. Three things that we are passionately for as a church. Now, we believe a lot of different things. If you want to know specifically what we believe about God or Jesus, the Bible, um, I can help you with that. Pastor Woodley can help you with that. We can go to detailed conversations about that sort of thing. But on a practical level, these are the three things that we are going to strive for on a weekly basis. Because this is how we believe that God has called us, specifically us, to be a city on a hill here in Brooklyn. To be a light that cannot be snuffed out here in New York City. The first thing is diversity. So there are three strands of our DNA. The first is diversity, that we believe passionately in being a diverse congregation. So that's why you see that everything from our leadership team to the music that we select to sometimes the issues that we discuss, we are intentionally striving to be a church that's for all kinds of people. I think sometimes what we automatically think of when we think of that is we think of ethnic diversity. And that's certainly one of the major ways that we have seen God over the last year. I counted up. I think there are 13 different cultures represented at Mosaic, whether it's people that come to the Sunday service or whether it's somebody who attends one of our missional families. We've got about 13 different ethnic backgrounds associated with Mosaic Church. That's a whole lot of diversity in a small church. And that's something that we are grateful for because we believe that that is one way that God has called us to be light in our community. Why is that? Well, because in our community, people don't necessarily get along with people who don't look like them, with people who come from a different background. Well, you see, when there are differences, we tend to be fearful or we tend to be judgmental. Well, you eat some different food than I like, or you listen to some different music than I like. Or maybe shocker of shockers, what really sets us at odds is you vote for some different politician than I vote for. But you see, in this city that Jesus was talking about, none of that stuff matters. Because Jesus said, you guys can be a city that's set upon a hill, and when that traveler rounds that bend and he sees that city, it's going to take his breath away. Because he's like, that's, that's where I'm supposed to be. That's where I'm supposed to spend the night. That's where I'm supposed to get a cup of water. That's where I'm supposed to rest. That's where I'm supposed to be protected from the bandits in this area. That is my city on a hill. That is my refuge. That is my hope. I need to be there. I need to be with that group of people. You see, the writer Francis Schaeffer, uh, he's a writer from way, way back, and he talked about how this final proof for Christianity is love. And I believe that with all my heart. 
People are not one to God. They're not one to Christianity by your arguments. They're one by a community of love. When they see a diverse group of people who are coming together because they love Jesus and they love each other. So ethnic diversity would be part of this. I think also class diversity. People from every walk of life. What I, what I dream, and I, I would love to, to see God expand this over the next year, but I, I dream of a church where not only do we have 13 different cultures represented, but we've got, we've got a homeless guy who is discipling a Wall Street banker because the homeless guy has been walking with Jesus longer. You see, that doesn't happen in the world. That turns all the paradigms upside down. But you see, in the city that Jesus is describing, up is down. Down is up. First is last. Jesus is describing this counter-cultural community where every paradigm is blown up. Every boundary is crossed. Because of the hope of the gospel, we can be a diverse community. So everything that we do as a church is going to, at least in part, be driven by what we believe is God's desire for us to be a diverse city on a hill. Second strain of our DNA is family. We believe that God has called us to be the city on a hill that the world takes note of, that our neighborhoods and city take note of, because we are characterized by being a family. What do I mean by that? Well, the writer Philip Yancey said that the story of the Bible, basically, is that God gets his family back. And God has been on mission reconciling the nations to himself pretty much since the beginning of time. Since Adam and Eve sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, and God has been pursuing his rebels, calling out people from every nation and tribe and every language, drawing them and knitting them together into a family. When Jesus was teaching in this house one time, his mother, Virgin Mary, and his stepbrothers and stepsisters came to look for him. They sent in a messenger. Apparently it was so crowded, they couldn't get into the building. So they sent someone in to find Jesus. And somebody said, Jesus, your mother and your brother and your sister are outside. And Jesus said something remarkable. He said, who is my family? Who are my brothers and my sisters? It's those who do the will of my father in heaven. You see, Jesus came to create a new family. The apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 described this as the household or family of God. To create this counter-cultural community that would live like a family. Because they are a family. You see, it's not just that we're like a family. If we, are, if we are in the family of God, we really are family. God is my father. That's the way the Bible describes it. And that would make Jesus my older brother. And that would make you my brothers and my sisters. So then what are the implications of that? Well, what does family do? Family hangs out together. Family helps one another in hard times. Family challenges one another. To improve and to change for the better. Family never gives up on family. Family is always there. On a very practical level, I think uh, um, at Mosaic over this last year, we've seen a lot of growth in this area of family. We have what we call missional families. If you've been around for any length of time, you know what a missional family is. It's a small group of people who meet throughout the week for dinner, lunch, depending on the time of day. Uh, meet together for a meal and a Bible study. We've got three that meet in the neighborhood here. We've got two 
that meet outside of the neighborhood. One uh, in another part of Brooklyn that's just started, brand new, and then one that meets in Manhattan. We've seen these families begin to coalesce around this dream of living together like a family. Because if you've been here for any length of time, you know what I've said. I kind of sound like a broken record. But the church is not a weekend event. It's a family on mission 24-7. If you can check the box and say, well, I went to church this week, therefore God loves me. I think you've got it totally wrong. God loves you. That's why you're supposed to be at church. But more than that, don't settle for church. Attendance on Sunday. Fall in love with God's family throughout the week. So I would say as a very simple point of application, lean into this family. Like you might think that you're, you're getting fed and you're getting enough by coming to church on Sunday and you're like, you know, Stephen or Woodley, they preached a good sermon and, and I learned and I, and I grew. But that's just like 45 minutes on a Sunday. Would you be content with just eating one meal a week? Anybody? No, we got to be fed all the time, right? That's why I go to Grace's restaurant multiple times a week. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Um, we got to eat. We need a steady diet, a regular diet. This happens through our missional families as we connect with one another throughout the week, as we, as we grapple with the, with the difficulties of life together, as we struggle, as we, as we fight through adversity together, because that's what family does. And that is what is so compelling about this city on a hill. That traveler rounds the bend and he sees this beautiful city. For us, we know that part of what is supposed to characterize our city on a hill is a family. And yeah, maybe, maybe we're jacked up sometimes. We're flawed because we're a church full of sinful people, right? So if you're looking for a perfect church, this is not the one. But we are family that helps one another. Somebody uh, <clears throat> that uh, Sonia and I know was describing what, uh, what marriage is. And, uh, uh, they were engaged at the time, and they, they said, basically, marriage is finding the one person in the world whose crap you can put up with and then marry them. And I thought, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of truth to that. Because what they were saying is we're going into marriage understanding that I'm a sinner, marrying a sinner, We're going to have a sinful family that's flawed, but we will fight for one another. We'll push through the crap. We'll fight through all the junk to be family. To love one another unconditionally as Christ loves the church. That's family. The third and final strand of our DNA is discipleship. How are we going to be a city on a hill? How how do we believe God's helped us to be the city on a hill this first year? And how are we looking to, to lean into this in the coming year? By focusing on discipleship. Jesus gave his church one simple mission. Right before he went back to heaven, he said, go and make disciples of the nations, of all nations. So what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who learns the teachings of Jesus, imitates his behavior, and then makes more disciples. So especially, I think this is probably the area where... Uh, If I can be candid with you, as a church, I feel like we have the most room to grow in. I feel like we've done fairly well at the diversity piece and fairly well at the family piece. Over this next year, I'm really praying that God will help us to grow as disciples, that we would go deeper in pursuing who Jesus is, to become more authentic followers of Jesus Christ. 
So we're going to be trying some new things, some new focuses to help us learn to grow. Because, you know, Jesus invites us into his life, no strings attached. And that's wonderful. But then he always challenges us to change. Because once you're in the family, he's like, okay, you've got a seat at my table. You didn't have to do anything to get this seat. I was the one who did all the work on the cross. But now that you've got a seat at my table, I want to challenge you to change. That's discipleship. We believe that that happens together. If you're not talking to somebody from Mosaic, if you're not engaged with one another, if you're not living like a family, you're probably not going to be discipled. You're probably not going to make disciples. So I think it goes back to the earlier strand of our DNA of being family. So who are we? Who have we been this first year? Who do we believe that God is calling us to be the second year? We are a diverse family on mission making disciples. That's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. And as we lean into this, as we double down on this vision and this DNA for year two, we will see that we will increasingly become God's shining city on a hill, one characterized by diversity, one characterized by family, one characterized by discipleship. So that people will look at this community, at this family, and they will find it irresistible. They will find it irresistible. I was, uh, so on Friday and Saturday, I was in Oklahoma preaching at a college retreat. Um, so there's about 50 college students, and um, we're out in the middle of nowhere. I have, really have no idea where we were. I was just on the church bus, and I got out when they told me to get out, and I preached when they told me to preach. Um, but we were in the middle of nowhere, and um, they asked me to speak on the theme of family, the church being a family. So I had three sessions, three sermons to preach on this and to try to make the case for the church being a family and living like a family. And in my last session, um, uh, as I stood up to teach the, teach the college kids about the importance of the church family, um, I realized how much I missed you guys. Because I left for, I went to Dallas on Tuesday. And I stood there to preach, talking about my family, my church family, which starts with Sonia and Malia, but then expands to many of you. And I, I told these 50 college kids, I was like, I haven't seen any of them in almost a week. And that makes me sad. Because you see, when we, when we really start leaning into this, when we really start pursuing the vision that God has called us, we're not just content with a weekend experience that we call church. But we lean into this reality, this counter-cultural community, this city on a hill that God has called us to be. Back in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Over the last year, we've seen some pretty incredible things that we've been able to point to our Father in heaven and give him credit for. We went from a church of about 25 or so people to a church of about 40 people. They don't, uh, not everybody comes on Sundays, especially all the time. 
uh, but we've got people connected to various missional families. So there's about 40 of us now. Praise God for that growth in the last year. We've gone from a, a church of two missional families to now, apparently we've got five. Um, I would love to see that in the next year. I believe that God wants us to seek to add another two missional families so that this time next year, when we're celebrating Mosaic's second birthday, there are seven of these groups, seven groups that are, that are struggling to do life together, struggling to, to figure out what it means to be family, struggling, at, struggling to figure out how can we disciple one another on this adventure that we call life. And how can we do it as a diverse family that crosses all ethnic and class boundaries? How can we be this city on a hill? So what I want to ask you to do, if you're a regular part of Mosaic, my plea is simple. Let's double down on the vision. This is the church that God has called us to be. This is the city on the hill that he's given us a vision for. So in year two, Let's go for it with gusto. With every fiber of our being, let's proclaim that this is who we are and this is the great God that we serve and let's serve him so that our life will illumine our Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, who is worth living for, worth dying for, worth pursuing with every fiber of our being. If you're not a regular part of Mosaic, maybe you're sometimes part of Mosaic and sometimes not, I would challenge you as your pastor over this next year to more fully commit to the family of God. It's Jesus' family after all and he loves it with all of his heart. He wants you to do the same. To put down your roots. To be all in with God's family. Or maybe you're totally new today. Not sure what Mosaic is all about. That's cool. We're going to have dinner together in just a minute. You can sit down with us. You can Share some food. Talk to somebody who's been around and ask them what Mosaic is all about. They can probably tell you better than I can. But we would love the chance to be your church. We would love the chance to be your family. We would love the chance to explore life in this city, this city on a hill together. Because Jesus is calling all of his messengers to proclaim and to declare and to say that this is God's city and this is God's time. Will you join me? Let's pray.